Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Muscle football podcast. You know where to find us. MWWire.com is where all of our written stuff is at. Apparently a lot of, not apparently... It's hoop season two, but we're not going to get into that. Matt Kennerly, Jeremy Moss, ready for week eight, midway point, I guess. Is that where yeah. we're, is it now? We're, we're getting past the midway point now, yeah. The double buy kind of messed with me this year a little bit. There are every team getting two buys because it's, it's a good thing, but also it's like, when is the midseason point? Yeah. It's still six games, I guess, but it's just like week eight or something right I mean, now. it kind of varies from team to team, too. That's so. true, depending where you're at. So. We're going to get to it right away. We're going to chat about for a minute the our midseason extravaganza awards, I guess. Sort of. We did it a little bit differently, folks. If you haven't seen it, it's on our site, uh, obviously, mwware.com. It's, uh, it's somewhere in there because we're having so much stuff with basketball media day, so just go find it. I think it's still pinned to our top five, but if you click our football section, you can scroll down there and find it probably sooner. So instead of doing like an all-conference midway team, or even like picking winners, like voting on here's the best player, here's the best whatever. We just kind of basically did like a roundtable, right, Matt? And then it's kind of like here's here's who we all picked. It went from there, and I think it went pretty well, right? Yeah, I think so. Do you have any? We'll go through these really quick. Not all of them, but do you have like a big surprise of one of the answers anybody gave? Like out of anything, like the I was a little shocked. The offensive player of the year was only between two teams. Or the... Well, I mean. I mean, as far as offense is concerned, I don't know. I mean, I'm a little surprised that, uh, you know, some other people weren't weren't considered. Like, you know, we talked a little bit about Ryan Agnew and how he might be playing at at an all-conference level. Um, I still don't buy it, sorry. You still don't buy it, and that's (laughs) okay. I forgive you. (laughs) That's fine. I guess I'm also a little surprised that Colorado State in particular, with all of the kind of individual performances they've had, um, because of course Marvin Kinsey's number one in the conference and and rushing right now. I looked and, at that. And maybe maybe some of that has to do with the fact that he's had the, those fumbling problems. I felt that, but also his numbers overall. Yeah, he's leading the league. Still, I didn't seem all that impressed overall. Like to say he's like the best offensive player. Or or maybe even more particularly, like Dante Wright. Mm-hmm. I think also had a reasonable case. But I mean, when you're putting up numbers like like Cedric Bird has, you know, he yeah. already has nine touchdowns, which if I remember correctly, is still either tied for first or number one in the country. It's up there, yeah. Um, and considering the big leap forward that San Jose State has made, particularly with their passing game, it's really hard for me to find fault with the selections that were ultimately made. Yeah, who? because it looks like your pick was not on here. Would your pick Ben Marvin Kinsey? Uh, no, I'm just saying okay. I think that there was definitely <laughs> a case for him. Yeah. yeah, the players that were chosen that we went through were three guys. Cedric Bird, Josh Love, who has three games over 400 yards, and Cole McDonald, who... Despite nine touch nine interceptions, twenty touchdowns. Yeah, uh, Kinsey and Wright, by the way, are one and two as far as yards per scrimmage per game. In the so conference, I think that's where most of the yeah. Okay, so that's, I think that's where most of the surprise comes from. Yeah, there's that too. Um, Curtis Weaver, by far, player of the year, unanimous mm-hmm. selection. That's uh, he has more sacks. Like we were talking about Boise BYU, he has more sacks than BYU has as a team this year on his own. Yikes! So yeah, so he is clearly the player of the year. Okay, I have a question about you on this for defensive player of the year. I went with Curtis Weaver because if he's the player of the year, why wouldn't he be the defensive player of the year? 
Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if people chose somebody else just because it's um he's already it's like the uh in the NFL you have the MVP who's whoever but then the AP offensive player of the year is typically like the guy who so like somebody else you know they still may have been the best player it's not always the same person even mm-hmm. though the MVP might be like say Patrick Mahomes he may not have I don't recall but they may not win both awards I think people may have chosen this route just because the same thing I went Curtis Weaver because why not. No, I mean, I definitely get that, you know, because, of course, the MVP is always a quarterback. Yeah, in this case, it was not. Not even close. No, I mean, but I think it's also a kind of a way of recognizing that there have been a lot of really solid offensive performances, or excuse mm-hmm. me, defensive performances. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't even include, like, people like Luke Barku, who was number yeah. one in the in the conference in, with interceptions right now. He's got five of them. He's been basically the best part of the best defense in the conference. Yeah, we had David Wood- David Woodward, Utah State, uh, Kavaya Tuzino, San Diego State, and Justin Rice, Fresno State. Those were the yeah. and then a couple picked Curtis Weaver, like myself. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it's fine. It's just kind of curious. Uh, let me ask you this: special teams. I I, I bent to everybody's will went with Brandon Talton, partly because he had a second game winning kick recently. So it's like, why mm-hmm. not? He's perfect. So that's good for him. Um, anything else? Let's see. I do like Roger's pick of Tyson Dyer. From Mexico, just because they punt a lot and he's doing fairly well, kicking the ball away, trying to help his team, I guess. Well, I mean, is I, I don't have the net punting figures in front of me, but he and Ryan Stonehouse are they're basically neck and neck, and they're they're head and shoulders above everybody else in the in the conference so far. You know, they're both averaging over forty seven yards per kick, which is you know, pretty significant. Let me we'll go through these really quick. One more newcomer of the midseason. It was all over the place. I wasn't sure. I was like, I went with Hig Bachmeyer because I'm mm-hmm. like. It, I don't think that's the wrong choice, but it's been, for me, it's between him and Dante Wright. And technically, Sean Chambers counts because he's still a freshman. That's some wiggle room with that redshirt rule. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what it was. Like, one person did pick Dante Wright, our good buddy Josh. Like, what have you gone on this? Like, would you go on the quarterback, or would you go on like, Dante Wright, or somebody else that we missed altogether? Because Brandon, our Hawaii guy, picked Melchis Stovall for kick returner, wide receiver mm-hmm. from Hawaii. I mean, honestly, I think I might have gone Bachmeyer just mm-hmm. because – he was kind of the, I mean, he wasn't necessarily my individual pick for freshman of the year, mm-hmm. but I think that given our, our mid season categories, this was kind of like the best approximation of that. Yeah. And I think, you know, other than getting injured last week, he's more than lived up to the hype considering that he's still a true freshman and leading the undefeated team essentially. Yes. Well, they're undefeated, but you know what I mean? Last game played just a little bit. And then here's what we'll probably end on this one. The game in the mid season I know there's a couple. We'll do, it, we'll do it quickly. I know we got a few games, but my game was the opener, Arizona Hawaii. Makes sense, not because of the opener, but it's. I think it's still the most wild game, maybe outside of Nevada, their opener as well. But it uh, doing pretty good. You know what I mean? Like that game was. If you think about it, that's probably the most exciting game for me the whole year so far. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, some of it maybe depends on where your loyalties lie. I think There's that, that too, yeah. I saw a couple. San Jose, State, San Jose State's big win over Arkansas, I think, yeah. definitely had that excitement factor. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe to a lesser extent, UNLV over Vanderbilt. Yeah, how dominant it was, yeah. No mm-hmm. surprising. Or Ted put in there the Wyoming at San Diego State game, which low-scoring game, which is fine. Great defense. They came back to win that game. That was a pretty – maybe not like the heart, heart attack-inducing game of Arizona-Hawaii, but still – if you think of this too, if you're an Aztec fan, you cut, you're down, you're down, you come from behind. Defensive showing on each side. You had decent running a game with uh, Washington. That was a very exciting game as well. It doesn't have to have a hundred combined points to be one of the best games. Exactly. 
And we did have uh, CSU at Utah State. I could, that, that argument could be made as well, which was done here because that second, I guess outside the fourth quarter, it wasn't great. Or it was great, I should say. If you're, I guess, not a CSU fan, but that's still pretty good. All right, let's see really quick. Hold on. My biggest surprise, is it is it everybody just going to San Jose State 3-3? Three and three? A couple pick Fresno State kind of being, eh. No, I mean, I guess that makes a lot of sense. What, what's yours? Is it your own team kind of uh, not living up to expectations? No, I mean, I think that it would have been San Jose State just because uh, I think I had them going 3-9 and nine in the preseason, mm-hmm. but they've already matched what I think a lot of people expected would mm-hmm. be their ceiling. And while there's still work to be done, I think that to this point, you know, I think they've been a very pleasant surprise. I am surprised, not less, m- m- major- about half the people picked Wyoming. Is that kind of surprising to you? Not necessarily. I think, I think a touch, but yeah, they're they're doing good. It's just, man, I like a, a really quick word. disappointment. Most people choose Utah State or Jordan Love, but maybe not for the right reasons. I choose Utah State, Jordan Love, because he's not playing great. But then again, I also make sure to mention he played some pretty good defenses this year and he's struggling. So that's kind of my biggest disappointment, but he'll still be fine. It's just like if you're going to be a top five QB in the NFL draft, you've you got to elevate your team somewhere, even if playing LSU, you score just two field goals. you got to give me something in that game a little bit more than what he did. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I – what was your – what's your kind of disappointment here? I mean, I think that Utah State and Fresno State are both kind of in that same boat um, where, you know, based on off of who they've played and how they've played to this point, like it's still really hard to pin down where exactly they fit into the hierarchy of the conference. And so I think that it would – I, I can definitely see the argument for both of them. And so I think that personally, I would have a hard time choosing. I would think like with Utah State, if you think about it, their two losses are to two ranked teams as well. Mm-hmm. Like they probably should be Wake Forest, but LSU, I, I think part of it is that the way they lost both those games, the turnovers, the changes they had versus Wake Forest, and then just getting blown up by LSU. It's like, I don't think Utah State's a bad team, but I think people saying like, they're, if you say the disappointment, that's fine. But if you kind of pull back a little bit, maybe they are disappointed, but not as much. Because maybe that might those... just be the curse of higher expectations. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah, that part. Same with Fresno State a bit, right? Yeah. So, all right. Then the last one, I like my, um, I guess the big takeaway, we probably all agree, it's just Mountain West crushing the Power Five. That's easy mm-hmm. enough, right? So here's my, did you see my big prediction I did? I did not. I think mine is amazing just because it's mine and whatever. Wyoming quarterback Sean Chambers will lead the Cowboys to a bowl game great but he will not crack 45 percent for the season passing <laughs> yeah i could see that <laughs> he's currently at 38 percent that's kind of a lot of work to do to he, get to 45 i know i was about i was gonna go 50 i'm like no i, I give him 45 so i think that's a, that's kind of a fun one there's a couple others like um raj still has aztecs boise state and title game which seems fairly likely at the moment um brad's hoping while gets get the passing game if they do watch out which is a fact but i don't know if they will um let's see Josh says, why win the West Division? Because they will beat San Diego State. Um, oh, that's about it. Anything else we get? Any midseason stuff that we missed you want to get to? Or is that um, plenty? Uh, not that I can think of. I think we did a decent job. A little, a little different this year. But let's get to games this week. We have a bunch of games. What do we have? Six games this week? Is that right? Yes, yes, we do. Same as last week. One non-conference game. Five conference games. And there's one team on the bye, which... Is it uh, San Jose State? Who's on the bye this week? Nope. Who's on the bye this week? Who am I missing? Uh, who am I forgetting? I think it's Colorado State, actually. Correct. There. All right. So let's get with it. UNLV, Fresno State. Matt, should Fresno State be a 15-point home favorite? Yeah. Let's start there. 
Eh, I don't know. You're going to be Vegas. Are you going to put money where you about this on that game or no? I actually might. Yeah. Which, which way? Huh? Which way, though? I get, well, we'll wait, I guess, till you get to the game, but we don't want to give it all away now. But I think that seems a bit large, right? Even though UNLV crushed a, whoever, Vanderbilt last week, they're not very good. But UNLV is still a team where they have a great running attack. Quarterback plays iffy, and defense can give a ball to stuff if they're right quarterbacks on the other side of the team. So mm. that's kind of the 10 second version of that game, what could happen. I mean, they just, I mean, if you're talking about the betting line in particular, they just haven't been as reliable as they were in the last couple of years. Like, to, to date against the spread, they're only 1 3 and 1. Is it one game the USC one? Yes, it is. <laughs> the one where you did become victorious on? Yeah, and it kind of comes back to that problem that, you know, and especially if you read football outsiders and things like that. So, you know, the idea, like, the difference between great teams and good teams is that great teams will blow out bad teams. And to this point in the season, we haven't really seen that from Fresno State because they kind of slept walk against Sacramento State. They kind of did the same thing against New Mexico State. And then when they had two weeks to prepare for the triple option last week against Air Force, they got, for lack of a better term, knocked on their ass. Yeah. And UNLV is, you know, they're at this point, if they are holding on to last week's gains you know they're going to be coming into Fresno running the same kind of run-heavy offense. They they got back to basics. They Which put they Kenyon Oblad in a position to succeed. And so that's where I start looking at this game, where on the whole, the, the, the defense hasn't fallen off as much as you know, maybe some fans would lead you to believe, because they're still in the middle of the conference. They're still only averaging uh, 5.14 yards per play allowed. Um, which I think is fifth or sixth in the conference. And the rushing defense on the whole is, you know, I think, slightly above the conference average, if I'm not mistaken. You know, it's it's a shade under four yards per carry. But again, they got hammered last week against a really run-heavy team. And if, if they are not prepared to face that again, you know, this could be a lot closer than a lot of people would expect. I think it could be because you still pointed out, like you mentioned, like the midseason takers, like Jared Rice is like mm-hmm. what forty-eight total yards this year, something like 10 that. Ten catches, forty-eight yards. That's like it should be like almost his per game average. Because didn't you say he averaged almost fifty a game last year in yards? Yeah, he he had averaged forty-seven yards a game, I believe. So what's the deal with that? Because that's kind of what we thought he'd be the main passing threat, and then the running game would be fine with like Ronnie Rivers or whoever. Because Jorge Rain, as we saw, he's doing pretty well. Not doing what Marcus Samarian was, but he's pretty efficient moving the ball. But why? Do you know why he's not getting to him? Is it just something we're not seeing, or something he's not seeing on the field? Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that there's one answer. I think there's multiple answers, and it's just the fact that Fresno State all of a sudden has a lot of really good, young, promising receivers. Um, we talked a little bit about Emory Edwards, and and going back to what I said earlier about Bachmeyer not being my freshman of the year mm-hmm. pick in the preseason that's because Edwards was and in the last couple of weeks he's led the team in targets and he's performed pretty well given the opportunities so you know I think you start looking at him who's a guy who's been getting a a fairly significant share of the work and I expect him to be a difference maker going forward and so I don't know that it's necessarily about an inability to get the ball in the right hands as much as it is you know, when they're running three wide and and really only having a single back most of the time, 
you know, chances are they're getting the ball to, to Edwards and to Zane Pope and, and Darian Grimm more often. And that's kind of what you saw in the first half against Air Force last week. And that's most of what you've been seeing all season long to this point. I should be noticed. Go back to UNLV really quick. Assuming the depth chart is correct, it's not Armani Rogers again. It's I think or. that he is still recovering. Yeah, because he's listed as Orr with uh, Max Gilliam. So that's a. Uh, if you look what happened last week, which we mentioned, they went to the run heavy base, I guess, run attack, I should say. They won, but it wasn't because Oldblad was. He didn't. I'm trying to see exactly what he did. I don't think he's. He was a, pretty good last week. I was trying to think. Yeah, I, to, I knew he didn't have a lot of volume, but he interception free. Over fifty percent on eleven of sixteen, so that's what if Rebels are gonna hang with this game, hang with this game, maybe even win. They need a similar performance from him, and then do the running game. Whether it's Chad McGuire have another huge game or Charles Williams, one of the two have a hundred plus yards. That's what they're gonna need to do. But like that fifteen seems just from what we see from Fresno this year, like you said, they're a good team, maybe not a great team. Like they may Mexico State was a close game. They're not blowing teams out. I don't think Fresno, from what we see, is capable of blowing even a sub, subpar Rebel team out. Probably win comfortably, but not winning by three touchdowns or even yeah, two, two and a half touchdowns. It's really hard to say, yeah. So what do you got in this? Or what does FPI and all those guys got real quick? Or FEI, I should say. Okay, so FEI likes Fresno State um, by a fairly significant margin. It is 13 and a half points between them. Uh, Bill Connolly's SP Plus metric also likes Fresno State. Uh, by 17.3 with an 84% win probability. All right, so what do you have? I I just don't see them being able to cover at this point. Oh, boy. I mean, I think that it's, the offense has been really uneven, and one of the things that we didn't really get into, which it could also make a, a difference in this game, is that they've been good but not great at running the football. And, and UNLV has been kind of hit or miss as far as you know being able to defend the run but now first State's also lost to natani muti again for the year so there's going to be more shuffling going along the offensive line That's which right. you know if, if unlv can show a little bit what they did in, in the first half against boise state for instance where they they really held you know george halani and, and robert mahone in check that you know all of a sudden you're putting a lot into reina's hands again and we've seen kind of the the, the best and the worst of what happens when they try to rely on the pass. So I'm thinking that Fresno State's probably going to win, but I would not expect them to cover 15 points. I'm going to say Bulldogs 31, Rebels 21. 31-21. Okay, that's a pretty close game. I'm kind of in the same category as you. I think they'll win fairly comfortably. But I'm going like 31-17. Well, they won't cover, but it'll be kind of close enough where there's kind of hanging around. and But you don't even won't have enough to get to the game. It'll be, like you said, it's, your 10-point victory is kind of similar where I'm going out with, but it's a touch more. So you got 31-21. I got 31-17. Is Fresno going to make a bowl game, right? There's sitting, there'll be a – right, that's not an option you're not considering at the moment, right? No, I mean, I think they're work, they're definitely working their way through things. But I think that there's still a path where they get to six or seven wins. That's why I did. In the bowl projections, I went with eight teams this week, Matt. Eight teams. Oh, and I you. And I found room for eight teams as well because she's a bowl with the Big Ten being probably getting a playoff and a – well, if they get a playoff team, they automatically get a Rose Bowl team. So that probably opens up that slot. So there's a chance there. So. Nice. Right. Also, we should mention this game is Friday night, 7 Pacific, CBS Sports Network. So get that channel if you don't have it. 
Saturday morning, New Mexico, or I guess, well, not quite. I guess you're in Hawaii Saturday morning. Saturday football, noon Pacific, one mountain. New Mexico at Wyoming. This line is ridiculous. Over under Matt is only 49 points. <laughs> is that really ridiculous though? It's just low. Well, actually, it's not the lowest line of the weekend. There's actually two lower than that. Mm-hmm. Which, oh boy, we'll get to those in a minute. I got some words on those. Um, but but the reason is kind of I say ridiculous that it's low. But then Wyoming's basically a twenty point favorite at nineteen and a half points. That's wild. That so that's what they're saying thirty to ten. Yeah, I know. No. And I noticed that the over under opened at fifty five and a half and plummeted. So what changed? That <laughs> they realized the was playing good defense. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I think ultimately this game is going to come down to, and which seems to be what most of New Mexico's games come down to. This, like, we kind of know <laughs> they have this explosive element, and we know that they aren't ever going to be the most efficient offense. So I think most of this game is going to come down to whether or not they can hit those big pass plays. Which, at this point, I'm kind of shrugging my shoulders because I have no idea. They're going Sharon um, Jones again, so there's that. Yeah, and and, and uh, Steve Bergen of the Albuquerque Journal had uh, an article that came out on Tuesday. Uh, Lobo's still sorting out QB situation. What week are? Did we just say we're at the midway we point? We're in Matt? week eight. <laughs> oh my gosh, sorting out what? Just uh, I really don't know. It's that's wild. Week eight, and you don't have a clue who your quarterback is. I mean, I think if. If you're a New Mexico fan, and especially um, when you think about New Mexico's front, because this was something that I really explored in uh, the column I did this week about, you know, kind of the big mid-season questions, you know, beyond the explosive plays they've been able to generate on offense, I think the one big thing that's kind of been overlooked is, like, they've been kind of solid against, uh, you know, you know, the defensive line has been pretty good in a lot of respects. It's just that they haven't had any ability to defend the pass. And when, you know, we keep talking about this Wyoming team and going back to your point earlier about is Sean Chambers going to get to 45% completions? Is he going to be able to generate enough big plays through the air? Because we kind of know what Wyoming's going to do. Mm-hmm. I think Craig Bull said it best, like they are what they are. They run the ball well. At this point, they Defense. run the ball extremely well. But New Mexico's not bad at defending the run. And so it may come down to whether or not, if you think back to the to the UNLV game, for instance, you know, they were they you know, the Rebels stacked the box, but Chambers was able to hit Josh Harshman for a fifty yard play. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be the difference between a game that's a little bit closer than expected, or a team or a game where Wyoming can give themselves some breathing room to to really dictate what they want to do. And some of that might come down to, you know, how they deal with the injuries that they've had on the offensive side of the ball because Titus Swin, their running back is out for at least the next four weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, Alonzo Velasquez at right tackle, his status is still kind of up in the air. They are getting back Logan Harris after the concussion that he had a few weeks ago. Um, so they're, they're, they have some shuffling of their own going along the offensive line. Um, and we kind of know what the big questions about this offense are to this point. So, if New Mexico's strengths can can really play up against the the questions that the Cowboys are suddenly dealing with, the game could be a little more interesting than I think a lot of people would suspect at first glance. Should be noted, as we kind of joke about Sean Chambers, he's actually his past three weeks have been improved a decent amount. Yeah. 
Like, uh, going through yards per attempt, like, Tulsa, yeah, yikes, 9 for 25. But, like, he was getting, like, not even barely five over 5 yards per attempt. Mm-hmm. 7.7 Tulsa, 10.3 versus UNLV because of that huge pass play, and 7.8 versus San Diego State. Yes, if he were to complete nearly 50%, he'd be better. But he's showing to get a little more – it's not even downfield stuff. Like, it's just a – like you said, if they're stacking, putting seven, eight guys up there – and they get a guy slip across the middle like they did versus UNLV, that could be like mm-hmm. a huge gain. So they're getting those type of bigger pass plays because they're all going up against the run. So like you said, if he gets one or two big pass plays of 20-plus yards just because of the defense going against the running game and they get a guy open down the middle of the field, that you're right, that could be the very much the very difference in this game of why Wyoming wins it. There's other reasons why they could, but that would be an explanation point of why they'd get the victory because they get a huge pass play even if Chambers goes 6 of 14 for 120 yards, well, that's a lot to say. Sorry, 120. But, I mean, 100 yards on six completions. Well, no, I mean, pretty you good. say that, but that is definitely the kind of line that New Mexico could give they up. Could, they definitely could. I just realized, I mean, like, look, 6 I, mean, I, I can't remember exactly how much we talked about this during last week's recap, but that, that has been, like, a massive problem for them. You know, they've given up 18 touchdowns. They have just one interception. Um, they've given up 9.7 yards per play. Oh, boy. And that number has gone up in conference play to 11.4. Oh, boy. They have been a disaster on the back end. And, you know, I think it's it's to Dante Martin's credit that he's still among the league leaders and passes defended. So I think he's been kind of a bright spot. You know, he's a guy who, you know, maybe it's a trial by fire this year. And, but he he could easily lock up with whoever Wyoming's number one receiver is and, and take that element of the field away. But I mean, they've got a lot to prove elsewhere on that, in that secondary. And it's still kind of a huge question as to whether Wyoming can take advantage of that. They are like, this is ridiculous. I didn't realize they were this bad in past defense. Oh yeah. They're giving up nearly what? 400 yards per game. Just about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's bad. Sam Houston State passed for 443 yards. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were playing catch-up a lot of the time. Not for Sam, not for Sam Houston State. No, no, no. I meant because Sam it, Houston State was throwing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh, that's right. Um, do you think – okay, this could be interesting. Is Sean Chambers going to pass for over 200 yards in this game? No. Even how bad that defense is, he won't do it, you don't think? No, I don't think so. What do you think he'll get one – do you, hold on. What is this? What's the season high? Do we have that real quick? Let me see. Are you confident one fifty maybe? Yeah, one fifty seems attainable. Yeah, that would his season high right now is one ninety three versus Tulsa. You say he will not pass that? No. Okay, but you say about one fifty. Yeah. Okay. I I'm gonna go with the, actually give us the SP and FEI stuff really quick before we reveal. All our right. Picks. So uh, FEI. Uh, they really like the Cowboys in this one. They have them favored by 30.7. 30.7? Yeah. Um, and SB Plus isn't quite as rosy, but they also like Wyoming by 16.1 with an 82% win probability. Okay. My prediction is 28-3 for Wyoming. So the cover, but nowhere near the over-under. Did you say 28-3? Yeah, 28-3. I would take New Mexico to cover. Ooh, okay. Because, like I said, I think it's ultimately going to be a little bit closer than a lot of people would expect. So I would easily take the points. 
Um, but I don't think Wyoming is going to be in any real danger of losing this game. So I'm going to say 21 to 10. I just think that defense is too good for New Mexico to do anything against. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think they're going to be terribly... I don't think they're going to be terribly efficient at any point. I know, but remember, the Wyoming scored like 50-something versus UNLV. Mm-hmm. So, all right, that's good. we got about blast these next one. San Diego State at San Jose State. Aztecs are an eight-point home favorite, road favorite, excuse me. It's, uh, is this AT&T game, I'm assuming? Uh, it's a Facebook game, actually. Oh, Facebook. Oh, I haven't had those in a while. 4 p.m. Pacific. If you remember the game last year, San Jose State out. Also, oh, we mentioned low over-unders. This one's only 46. That also does not surprise me. I'm a touch surprised by it, but not as much as the other one. But if you remember last year's game, like San Jose State, like they in the first half, it was like it was a low, low scoring game. They nearly won the game. And I remember like the offensive and defensive line for the Spartans were just dominating San Diego State for the whole first half. Like they cannot get anything done either way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll happen again, but I just remember like saying that quite a bit. Like they just kind of pushed them around. They did what they want. Um, we know Josh Love will have some yards, but I don't think he'll won't have another 400 yard performing game. Cause that'd be very difficult. Like you mentioned, Luke has what three, the three picks and three plays a couple weeks ago. One of the best defenders. They'll move the ball in the air, but they're going to end up being probably one dimensional. Cause I don't think they can run the ball because the running game for Spartans has been so bad this year. I don't see Tyler Nevin stepping up and against a better defense and having even a, an average game. Yeah. And you know, this game is such a contrast of styles in a way that last year's game really wasn't. Because what both teams do really well is basically, I think, how this game is going to be decided. Like, I don't, I don't think that San Jose State's going to have much success running the football, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of wonder if San Diego State's going to have a lot of success running it because they've been kind of hit or miss. But San, that's one thing that San Jose State has quietly been, you know, they've been okay at it, defending the run. I just don't know. I mean, I think one thing that I look for is both the, you know, both these teams have been kind of hit or miss as far as pass rush is concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, they obviously have some standouts the Aztecs do on the defensive line in that regard, but you know, I just I don't know. I don't know how to start thinking about this game because I see like so many strengths on strength on strength matchups that it's mm-hmm. hard for me to figure out what's ultimately going to make or break this game. I think for me what it could be is Juwan Washington finally more healthy after he's getting the bulk of the carries, but he's getting, you mentioned in your midseason, he's under four yards per carry. He's under, he's almost under three. Oh, yards almost per under carry. three. Okay. He's very dangerously close to that. And so he's, maybe this is the game where, for what the Spartans rush defense has been allowing this year, because they're giving up, if I have a really quick here, 4.53, which is near the bottom of the conference. So maybe this is a game where he gets better and has, say, just 20 for 100. You know what I mean? Something that's good, but not amazing. Five yards mm-hmm. to carry there, gets it back going. I could see that being probably the difference in this game where he gets on track to have one what we game we maybe not an explosive, amazing game, but I think he should easily crack hundred yards and he'll probably be probably be the main reason why they win. Agnew see, is efficient, but I think running is where if Washington is step healthier, that'll be why. I mean when it comes to run blocking, both of these offensive lines have kind of struggled all season long. Yeah. But I'm saying and, Spartan rush defense might be the difference in allowing that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's maybe more likely like if if they struggle to create any kind of explosiveness on the ground, to me, the bigger question is, is San Jose State going to be able to generate a pass rush? Because 
you know, I, I've seen, at least it seems to me that, you know, week over week that we're seeing less of the mistakes than we were seeing from Ryan Agnew, you know, last year. Like, obviously, there's been a couple of lowlights, but there's no question he's gotten better, you know, at least as far as managing, you know, down downfield element, mm-hmm. as far as eluding the pass rush and things like that. And for the Spartans, that's something that hasn't really improved from last year to this year. Like, I think last year they were dead last nationally on sack rate. And this year, they're only 126. Oh, that's all? Yeah. <laughs> so while San Diego State doesn't necessarily have a great offensive line, which kind of shocks me saying that, um, I kind of question whether or not they're going to be able to do that, whether they're going to be able to get to Ryan Agnew and force him to make mistakes on the run, to force him to throw it up you know, against a secondary that we know they have a, a propensity for creating turnovers. But I think if they can, kind of like last year, that's the the kind of thing that can make this game closer. So what? Uh, let's give you the advanced numbers. What do they say for this one? All right. So uh, FEI, like San Diego State, uh, a fairly substantial margin. It looks like fifteen point seven points. That's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, and SP plus. Sorry, I'm trying to have to find it real quick. They. They like the Aztecs as well, but not quite as much. They favor them by eight points with a 68% chance to win. 68%. Okay, looking over it, I haven't done this all, all show, but FPI is Aztecs 73, 73% chance to win. And then team ranking and number fire both say between like an eight to 10 point victory. All right, so who you got? I got, um, well, it's going to be San Diego State, right? I can't go astray from the Aztecs. I, might have scored. I mean, you could. I, I always, <laughs> it's always an option. I think it'll be close like last year. I think it'll be 24-17 Aztecs. That means, I, would say, uh, I would say take the under. Spartans cover. Is that the, am I in the under? That, that's 41 points, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay, so what are you, uh, what are, what are you thinking? Uh, I, let's see, what's the line for this one? Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Um, I mean, ultimately, I kind of see this unfolding like a war of attrition. Um, but I think it's most likely that the best unit on the field is what ultimately makes the difference in this game. So I'm going to take the Aztecs to win, but I'm going to take the Spartans to cover. I'm going to say 21 to 17. It's pretty close. just like last year. Yeah. It's going to be a good game. I think. Yeah. Go. If it's on Facebook, definitely check this one out because it's free. You can watch it. It's not a big deal. Put on your big screen, Chromecast or whatever, Apple TV it. And, yeah, most people are in that same neighborhood, like saying, like, within 10 points, under 10 points. All right, next game. We're going to wrap through these really quick. We have a couple left. We have oh, three more crap. All right, Boise State at BYU. All right, I got thoughts this game, but I keep them short and sweet because. Okay. All right. Yeah, because, well, I mean, we talked about BYU once already, right? For a minute, yeah. 8.15, yeah, 8.15 Mountain Time. It's in Provo. Boise State's only a seven-point favor in this game. Matt, did you know this game opened at one and a half for Boise State? I still can't believe it. I know it's a put action, but I don't know too many BYU fans are going to go gamble money on anything or spend money that's probably a losing effort. Like, do we think that's because of the uncertainty about Hank Bachmeyer? Well, there's two quarterback uncertainties. Hank, Hawk, Hank Bachmeyer and Jaron Hall from BYU. Mm-hmm. Because Zach Wilson, the starter, is already out with head thumb surgery on his throwing hand, out for a few more weeks. He might be back when they play San Diego State. But, yeah, Bachmeyer's out, but Chase Cord came in and played just fine. Maybe they thought the score closer than people thought in the Hawaii game because of 16 fourth quarter points. But even at seven, I'll tell you right now, I'm taking Boise to win a cover, and I'm not even blink batted in the eye. 
Okay, so what's the biggest reason why then? BYU's not very good. BYU lit <laughs> no like as simple as that, huh? They lost to South Florida. They've lost to a decent Toledo team. They've blown fourth quarter leads the past two weeks. Scored zero points in both fourth quarters. They are literally a sort of fluky 64-yard Hail Mary and a tipped interception in their favor from being 0-6. And to kind of, I think to kind of drive that point here, home here, can I just lay out some of the advanced metrics that kind of jumped out to me? Yeah. Um, So we've talked about line yards, which is just, you know, when the offense is getting credit for how many, you know, yards they're doing. Um, And especially on the defensive line too. Um, one thing I look at that I think could make a huge difference in this game is whether or not Boise State can get their ground game going. They because, will. They will. Because the Cougars are 122nd with 2.98 yard line yards allowed per carry. They are 121st in opportunity rate, which is basically just when the when the runner is getting at least four or five yards. You know how often are they doing that? So the PYU has been pretty bad in that regard. They are. You know, below average in power success rate, which means they're struggling in short yardage situations. They're 120th in stuff rate, which means they aren't really getting that many tackles for loss. And the pass rush is basically non-existent too. Like we said, and we know that that's something Weaver, that uh, more sacks in the entire team. Yeah, so they're 118th nationally with a 3.4% sack rate, which is, you know, considering BYU's recent history, I would say that's very on BYU like. Mm-hmm. To not have at least like one Kalfusi wreaking havoc or other, you know. Yeah. Um, and I know that B- that Boise's had its you know, struggles keeping Bachmeyer upright, but I think even if he, even if they hold him out for this game, I think Chase Cord's still going to be pretty good. I think that he's going to be able to make plays with his legs, give the the offense an element that we we don't typically see from Bachmeyer because it's not like. You know, Bachmeyer doesn't have any running ability, but obviously they prefer to have him get the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. But I think they'll, they'll be able to balance out, you know, even if they lose a little bit of that downfield ability, I'm not expecting them to lose that much. And I think what they ultimately gain from Cord being able to use his mobility to gain five, six yards at a time if he needs to is going to outweigh that in the long run. Yeah, and the one player BYU has in defense is Chaz Ayu, who's pretty good. But like, look mm-hmm. for... Um... Whoever runs the ball, whether it's um, Robert Mahone or George, right there back in the backfield, one of those will have 100 plus yards. I guarantee it. They'll probably combine for at least 150. But also back to the quarterback on BYU, Jaron Hall finally, he's concussion. That's why he went out last game. So they had to play, who is it? Not Gunnar Romney, that's receiver. The other Romney who plays quarterback for BYU. That would be Baylor Romney. That's right, Baylor Romney. Okay, Baylor Romney, that's who it is. So he came in, did okay in the final drive when he got into play. But Jaron Hall concussed. He practiced Wednesday, but they're basically splitting reps, essentially. And we're doing this Thursday, so he, they have one more day of practice, at least, for mm-hmm. the typical walkthrough stuff. But he didn't get them. He got the majority of the reps. It was very close. Baylor Romney's preparing to be the starter. And then they're also giving four-string quarterback Joe Critchlow practice reps as well. You see my point why there's no way I don't see BYU winning this game or keeping it that close? So are you saying overall that Curtis Weaver's going to have a field day? Yes, because I think I would agree, because what we just talked about with BYU's inability to generate a consistent pass rush, they haven't been very good at protecting the quarterback either. They're 104th on offense with their own sack rate. And the only and also, if you haven't paid attention to BYU as closely as I have for my other work, Tyson Williams, are starting running back, grad changer from South Carolina, has been out a couple weeks. They have a decent back there, like a, a couple of other running backs who are decent back there, but nothing as good as him. So they don't run the ball extremely well. They still have only one receiver who's a tight end, Matt Bushman, who they're not getting the ball very often. 
And if you have a third or fourth string quarterback coming in there, or Jaron Hall, who, like you said, they don't protect him very well. He already had a concussion. Do you want him to get another concussion if he gets hit early in the game or something? To It may not necessarily compound it, but just add another in layer of injury to him. Mm-hmm. It's like, no. And Boise has more athletes. Like I get our buddies like Raj and Colin and Eric. They're like, oh, it's to be a close game. It's at BYU usually close. Yeah, but this BYU team is not much better than last year. They're just a team. I mean, I mean they won six games last year. Too. They won four the year before. They're on track to probably not making the bowl, maybe not making the bowl game or coming down to the San Diego State game, which will be extremely tough down in Qualcomm. Oh man, that game that game's gonna be hilarious. For yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be. So that's my see my point. Like I do. I'm telling you, this is not going to be that close. So are you saying that you would take you would lay minus seven without hesitation? I'd probably lay minus fourteen without blinking an eye. Okay, so so I'm uh, I'm assuming we don't really need to run through the advanced numbers. No, just um, to, to tell you to take Boise State in this game. Yeah, you're going to Vegas. I'm gonna we're gonna message you. I'm gonna message okay. you something later. What to do well, for me? Okay, so What's I'll, your, I'll, give what, you the, I'll give you the numbers anyway. You might as well. We've been doing it every time, so uh, no reason to stop. F- FBI likes Boise State by a sixteen point two. SP plus maybe unsurprisingly also likes the Broncos uh, by just eight though. chance win probability. Still covers. Still covers, yeah. (laughs) So what do you got? Um, I'm going to lay seven points. I'm not going to hesitate. That might be the first thing I do when I get there. Um, Second thing will be doing one for me as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's true. Um, Boise State 34, BYU 13. We think too much alike, Matt. We spend too much time talking football. 35-13 for Boise State. (laughs) All right, then. Actually, what's the over-under again? 46 and a half? Uh, I'm seeing it as 45. Oh, half. maybe that's 45. So you would you take the under, essentially? 34, sorry, you said 34-13, right? Yeah, so that'd be over, right? Yeah, well, I had it written down incorrectly. So yeah, this game, watch it just because it'll be fun and people don't like BYU. So there you go. Next two games really quick. Oh, we got to hurry. New Nevada, Utah State. Utah State is a massive 21-point home favorite. 8-15 local time on ESPNU. Really quick, why is this a three touchdown favorite for the Aggies for a four and two team? Four and two team you're playing. I mean, I almost wonder if it just comes down to, you know, kind of the uncertainty of how real is Nevada's passing game, mm-hmm. because I think that's ultimately going to be the key for how this game unfolds. Because we saw, kind of the I don't want to call it a double edged sword, but we saw Malik Henry last week have a very good stretch in the first half of that game against San Jose State. But then we also saw him falter a little bit. Like, it wasn't like he had a perfect performance. He did have two interceptions, which let the Spartans back into the game. And I think that when you consider Utah State's defense, there's a pretty good chance they're going to be motivated coming off the bye, coming off a blowout loss uh, against LSU. Mm -hmm. Like, there's still plenty of talent in that front. And so, you know, one, I think, is Malik Henry going to be able to ha- consistently have time to throw, to make plays down the field? Um, or is that Utah State front going to be able to generate a pass rush and really kind of frustrate the, the passing attack in ways that a lot of other opponents had been able to? But I think you're right. Like, it's if Malik Henry has a decent game like he did last week, they'll probably keep it close. But it's start number two. Was last week at home for Nevada? Uh, yes, it was. So, yeah, they go to Logan, which... They'll be they want they're two, they're not a bad team like people say disappointed maybe touch but three and two they're still undefeated in league play this should be a win for them I just it's a big line also Matt if you're wondering it's only two dollars to get to the game so just saying 
So if you want to go to the game there, it's a very inexpensive, which I think this could be a pretty good game, but you're right. Like with David Woodward, typically those guys are going to want to be going after the new quarterback. And to, unless Talatoa can have a game like he did last week, that's what they're going to, that's kind of what helped Blake Henry. He had a pretty big game on the ground. If he can get his ground game going, that'll help overall for Blake Henry with the second start. But if they shut down the running game and are forced to rely on a guy making a second career start against a really, really good defense, it's going to spew trouble. Well, and here's another thing that we don't really have a clear answer for yet is, you know, is Jalen Warren healthy one? And if he isn't, how is the offense going to operate without him? Because they kind of tailed off a little bit against Colorado State, and then they were basically a non-factor against LSU. Which, yeah, again, it's LSU, so maybe you can throw that out the window a little bit. But when you look at what the offensive lines have done, both Nevada and Utah State, maybe it surprises you, but at least as far as like line yards per carry, they are basically dead even with each other. Utah State is 86th nationally with 2.46 yard, uh, line yards per carry, yeah, uh, and Nevada is 87th. So they're neck and neck, and that mostly holds true with a lot of the other metrics too. Like they're both dead even as far as you know power success rate so they both had the same kind of you know success in short yardage situations um i think one advantage that utah state has in this game over nevada is that they've been a little more consistent about um or actually i misspoke it's actually kind of a disadvantage maybe um because they're 110th in stuff rate which is a little bit surprising um, and maybe, again, maybe the numbers are skewed a little bit because of what they did against LSU. I don't know because I don't have the tackles for loss allowed in front of me. Um, but I think that's something where Nevada has been, you know, good but not great as far as defending the run. Um, on defense, they're 12th as far as line yards per carry. And so I think that if they need to lean upon Gerald Bright, he could have a huge impact on how this game unfolds. Like if he can break open even one or two you know, 20, 30 yard runs, that's going to be a huge advantage for Utah State. But if they can't, you know, then all of a sudden they might be forcing Jordan Love to to throw more often than they want. I think they ultimately want to be balanced and, you know, keep them from, from you know, forcing him to do too much, if that makes sense. Well, Jalen Warren, they, I read, I was checking while you're going through this, the notes in press conference, they should be healthy enough to play. So whatever that means, healthy enough okay. to be on the field. So he's he'll he should be out there in some form or capacity, even if it's like just for a little bit here and there. That might be enough because Gerald Bright's a pretty good running back, but having both and Warren being the better of the two by by, by a bit, two is better than one, right? If you have a good pretty exactly. good running back, and so especially for this offense, yeah, this type of offense. And there's no word on Sosie Mariner because I thought he got, he left the game versus LSU, but I don't see anything if it was health wise. So maybe he's fine. Not sure about that, just because I don't think Utah State's updating their depth charts regularly because mm-hmm. he is listed. Oh, maybe not. Hold on a second. Nope, he is listed. They have three receivers. Sorry, they have the Z receiver. He's listed as starter. But remember, a couple years ago, we got fleeced by USU, never changed the depth chart after like week two. So mm-hmm. I don't know about Sosie Mariner. Looking around really quick, I don't see an update, but which could be a fairly big deal, which was part of the reason the LSU game got more out of hand or the offense didn't do as much when you lose your best receiver. Which him and running back, it's kind of piles on, and you're already playing a good team. So like, whoa! All right, so this matchup, as I kind of joke and laugh about the big line, I'm taking Utah State to cover that. Okay. I think they're going to win 38 to 14. All right. So FEI likes the Aggies by 24.1. Hmm. Um, 
And SP Plus also likes Utah State by 17.5 with an 84% win probability. Really quick, FPI, 94% chance for Utah State to win. I mean, I, I think that Nevada is going to be able to hang around in this game. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily going to win it, but I think they're going to push Utah State. I think they're going to make that offense earn this win. So I'm going to say I'm going to take Nevada plus 21, but I'm going to take Utah State to win 42 to 30. Ooh, you think they'll put up 30 points? I think they could. It's just difficult for me to say with a, a new quarterback going to play in a really good team this week. Because, yeah. All right, next game. We'll find out. Next game, we're going to wrap this up really quick. Air Force at Hawaii. Um, I This is another uh, confusing line to me a little bit. How is Air Force a road three-point favorite at Hawaii? I mean, I guess it's kind of a toss-up, right? Is what that means? No, actually, well, sort of more Air Force is better than Hawaii because – I mean, I almost wonder if it's because Hawaii has been a little erratic on offense. You know, one of the things I wrote about for the that column we referenced a couple times about kind of the, every team's biggest question. Yeah. Um, the thing that really sticks out about Hawaii's offense, no matter how explosive they've been, they're also dead last in the conference in, in giveaways. Mm-hmm. You know, they're on pace to give up 41 giveaways throughout the year. That's a lot. <laughs> and yeah, there's exactly one Mountain West team in the last decade that has coughed up the ball more times so for as good as they are you know and i think that it's definitely a favorable matchup because you know we just saw last week in the first half against fresno state that air force still has some issues defending the pass so it could just as easily be a game where you know hawaii is playing or pitch and catch all over the field um but if they aren't careful with the football it could definitely be the kind of game where if they set up the falcons with a short field and you know they'll they get behind the eight ball they get down by like seven or ten points and make themselves one-dimensional and they get more careless with the football like that's the kind of thing that could snowball in air force's favor if things break their way well and also think about it hawaii turns the ball over the like remember the army game like last year the amount of Mm -hmm. chances they'll get to actually have the ball that too that's gonna be limited as limited as well so maybe nick rolovich will go for it be even more aggressive on fourth down or third and fourth to to play forward on territory everywhere so he doesn't have to give up the ball. Like, if they go out, like, I could seriously see a scenario. Let's say their offense kind of struggles in the first half, they and they go three and out twice in another drive, like maybe five or six plays. That might be the only possessions they have in the first half. They could I could see them, if Air Force does well enough, have three possessions in the first half for them, and that's it, and be down like 17-0 because of that. It, yeah, very well could be. And, I mean, to that point, like, they had a – you know, the, the Warriors front had a pretty good performance a couple weeks ago at Nevada. Um, but other, I mean, if you take that game out of the equation, they have given up almost like almost six yards to carry. Like on the season, they're at 5.28. But, you know, in every other game, they've given up, you know, in, in, or rather in three other games, they've given up at least six yards of carry. So that's been a problem for them. And, of course, that's something that we know Air Force is going to want to do. So whether you're looking at the traditional measures or whether you're looking at the advanced measures, Hawaii has a lot to prove because they are below the national average as far as power success rate. They're below the average as far as stuff rate. You know, So they're not getting into the backfield. They, they aren't winning those short-yarded situations, and they are 102nd nationally in opportunity rate. So, you know. If Air Force, all they want to do is line up and hit them again and again with the fullback dive, same thing they did against Fresno State last week, 
that's one way that, that they could limit opportunities, keep the Warriors offense off the field and kind of maintain control of this game. So you're, you look like you're leaning toward Air Force, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because they, I believe Don, um, Isaiah Sanders is still hurt. So you have Donald Hammond. I, here's the thing. I like these are two teams I, I like quite a bit. Like I like I predicted Air Force to be pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if they'll get to the ten win mark. They're four and two, so you never know. But this is uh, I don't know. It's what does the advanced number say? Tell me that before I make my pick here. I'm deciding because I could see this game being like Hawaii just scoring on. Like I said, they only get those three possessions, like I mentioned my earlier example. I could see them having those same three possessions, scoring on 10 total plays and have 21 points, and it'd be three possessions, three touchdowns. It looks like the advanced numbers predict this one to be pretty close. FBI likes the Falcons, but by only three and a half points. SP Plus also likes Air Force, but by just 5.6, and that's a 63% win probability. You give me your picks first. I'm still deciding. What do you got? I think I'm going to take Air Force minus three. I think it's going to be a back and forth game. I think both defenses are probably going to have trouble making stops consistently. But if I had to trust one or the other, I would trust Air Force's defense to make a stop when it mattered most. So I think it's going to be a relatively high scoring game. I'm going to say Falcons 37, Warriors 34. Okay. Looking at everybody's pick, most people are picking Hawaii to win fairly convincingly. I wonder if that's the Hawaii factory on the road. Um, but I agree with like, what you just said at the end kind of maybe turned me to pick Air Force because... Actually, that wouldn't cover. I'm going to say 38-34. Oh, okay. There you go. That works. Plus, well, plus, maybe we should mention this is a rivalry game. What trophies on the line? Do we have a trophy? It's the Cooter Trophy's on the line. Have, have we discussed this type of trophy before? We have. We, we had our list of, of ranked trophies. At some point? Last year. And I think it was dead last, but it's still a rivalry. Why is it a rivalry? Because they were in the whack years before? Yeah. And, of course, Air Force has a presence on the Hawaiian Islands. Yeah. How do you spell Cooter? Because I'm looking up the trophy. K-U-T-E-R. I believe, if I remember correctly, it was named after a former, like, commander of Pacific. Okay. The Air Force. I forget the guy's name. Here we go. Cooter, tro- Cooter Trophy. For General Lawrence S. Cooter, who was the first head of Pacific Air Forces at some point. Oh. Sorry, my my description went away. It's basically a gold bowl, essentially. I so. mean, it's 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 fair. It's a fairly bland trophy, but it's still a rivalry. It's basically what the orange bowl trophy is, but not glass or whatever. If you think about it that way, you can. Should, I mean, if they put some pineapples in it, that's what I'm saying. That's what, you, that's what I was about to say. Put some pineapples or pineapples. Pine. That'd be awesome. What is what is it? Colorado Springs known for for food? Anything? I don't know. They're known for they're known for beer. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's right. Pineapple flavored beer, I guess. Some sort of mix of that. Ooh, there you go. That'd be perfect. That sounds good. All right, so this rivalry, I'm looking up really quick. Last time they played, they haven't played in three years as well. It's 34-27 double overtime win at Colorado Springs. Remember that game mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Um, I got to stick with me, me saying Air Force is going to be really good this year. I think it'll be like 31-27, kind of low score, lower, lowish scoring. 31, 30 to 20. Nope, I can't do what you did. 31-27. <laughs> All right, then. Because <laughs> I got to have that four points, right? Yeah. Air Force 31, Hawaii 27. That's my pick there. That's it for the show this week, just under an hour. Um, yeah, check us out, mwr.com. You know to find it, all our football and now basketball stuff. We're over at Anchor FM if you want to look over there and give us a voice message, I guess. That's an option. If you figure it out, maybe send us a message on Twitter so we can look at it. Because I'm not entirely sure how that will come across to us because <laughs> it's fairly new. But, yeah, check it out there. 
Anywhere you find your podcast, I believe it's all synced up everywhere fine. But if it's not, again, just go to our website or the anchor.fm. You'll find us there. Search Mountain West Wire. We're good to go. And we'll be back uh, in a couple days to recap all this nonsense for week eight.